Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet on a day when crude oil fell to a six-month low. U.S. equities were mixed ahead of tomorrow morning's jobs report. S&P 500 index up a point at 2389, an advance there of one-tenth of one percent. Dow Industrials down six to 20,959, little change there. NASDAQ up two points to 6,075, up by about one-tenth of one percent. Gold down 20, 40 the ounce to 12.28, a drop of 1.6 percent. The 10-year down 9.30 seconds with a yield of 2.35 percent. West Texas intermediate crude tumbling 4.8 percent, down 2.27 a barrel to 45.55. Brent at 48.45, Brent crude down 4.6 percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business flash. This is your Bloomberg Real Estate Report. I'm Denise Pellegrini. Demand for construction workers continued to increase in March. Construction employment expanded in 224 out of 358 metro areas. Brian Termail, spokesperson for the Associated General Contractors of America, says hiring surged most in Lewiston, Idaho, Lake Charles, Louisiana, Gary, Indiana, and Santa Cruz and Riverside, San Bernardino, California, and also jumped in San Francisco, Portland, and New York. But construction hiring fell in some metros, including Boston and Pittsburgh. What happens in a lot of metro areas is if you have a particularly large project, a multi-billion dollar project, and as it wraps up, that metro area almost inevitably takes a bit of a hit on those metro construction employment figures just because even if demand is still pretty robust throughout the rest of the market, it takes a while to absorb all those jobs lost on the big mega projects. Construction hiring was also sluggish in Reno, Sacramento, and New Haven. And that's your Bloomberg Real Estate Report. I'm Denise Pellegrini. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. Well, Viacom, I feel like somebody's watching me, but nobody watching me. <laughs> the results yesterday, not so good. Uh, to, uh, or, or, or just reported, I should say. Uh, uh, Tuna Moby joins us right now as a media and entertainment analyst with CIFRA Research, CFRA Research. Uh, Tuna, always glad to have you. Uh, what's the most important? You know, Viacom uh, hitting a, a 52-week low today at $37.15. Stock was trading over 50 bucks a share not too long ago. What's What's going on there? Sure. Uh, thanks, first of all, Corey, for having me. Um, so Always I think a pleasure. Thinking, absolutely. It's a, it's a realization by investors in some ways that the turnaround of Viacom is going to take a little longer than expected. Um, you know, they've got a new leadership team uh, recently unveiling, um, you know, kind of a new strategic focus on the flagship brands. Um, uh, you know, if you follow the company for any length of time, you know they're coming off of a very bruising corporate governance battle. Um, you know, so there's still some skepticism uh, in the investor community uh, as to what is really going to be required. But, you know, I have to say that they've taken some right steps. They've got a new leader in the studio. Uh, which has lagged the major studios for a while. Uh, one of the main challenges I hear frequently is advertising revenue growth, which has really been stagnant. Um, so they're seeing some ratings recovery at some of the major networks, you know, Nickelodeon, MTV, but that typically, uh, you know, the advertising recovery lags, you know, the ratings. So there's a question as to when they can return to domestic advertising growth, uh, which is a very critical issue to watch going into this current upfront season. So overall, I think, um, you know, it's going to be a little bit more heavy lifting that's required to really 
you know, sustain the type of performance that can provide some comfort for investors. We have a whole recommendation on the shares, by the way. It seems like some of the blame was put on Charter Communications, Tuna, you know, for putting some of Viacom's most popular channels uh, to higher-priced tiers of service on Charter. Are they right to blame some of it on Charter or, or, or no? Indeed, Carol. So that issue um, is being closely watched. It's actually, um, you know, not very common to see the type of step that Charter has really moved to tier those networks. Um, it's not a secret that Viacom's networks are perceived to be, um, you know, relatively, you know, weaker from a leverage standpoint in negotiations with the um, you know, cable operators such as Charter that now has a much massive scale. Um, but, you know, I think really the key here is that um, I don't believe that, you know, this is going to, um, you know, have a longer-term impact uh, as long as they can sustain the type of radius improvement that we have been encouraged by. Um, ultimately, this is a game of, you know, really following the eyeballs uh, for advertisers. Um, as I indicated earlier, this upfront season is going to be crucial to see if they have the type of pricing power that's going to provide them some leverage um, with advertisers um, who ultimately, you know, pay the bills. And in terms of carriage, um, they have actually completed quite a number of their long-term carriage deals with distributors, um, you know. So we have to really watch this trend and see what impact it has in the um, longer term, I would suspect, as opposed to near term. So let's turn to CBS here. Uh, CBS are reporting after the bell um the Q was just filed moments ago. I expect it, but since it's been out for seven minutes, you've read the entire 10Q, right? No, yes, kidding, that's right. I, I, <laughs> well, you know. But yeah, tell, tell, us, tell us what we're seeing from the results uh, from CBS here, because uh, CBS shares, uh, you know, taken on the chin here a little bit uh, with the expectation that these cord-cutting issues might hurt them too. Corey, I think, you know, CBS, I, I have to say, has been really one of the best in breed among the large media companies, uh, they have been consistently executing this, this strategy of, you know, de-risking their uh, business model and uh, cultivating incremental revenue streams. Um, so streaming, um, you know, CBS All Access, for example, and Showtime OTT, and also retransmission growth, all of those actually knocked it out of the uh, park this quarter. I think one of the, um, you know, um, one of the anomalies that occurred this quarter is the comparisons to extra NFL game and Super Bowl, which you might recall, you know, they had last year. So those have created some noise in the numbers. If you exclude that, uh, it's pretty clear that there's still underlying, um, you know, strong revenue growth, high single digits if, if, if you exclude those factors. Um, and, and more importantly, I think for them, uh, they are well positioned to um, really accelerate their cash flow once they complete that um, radio spin-off, which, as you know, radio has been kind of a drag. So I think they've really successfully migrated the business model, um, you know, from a more adver- advertising-dependent, um, you know, model towards um, steadier streams such as affiliate and subscriptions, content licensing, and we saw that this quarter. This quarter is really a testament to Les Moonves and Co. that have really, uh, you know, consistently executed this strategy quarter after quarter after quarter. What can other media companies learn by both CBS and Viacom, the good and the bad, if you will? Um, great question. So, obviously, let me start with the bad. Uh, you know, the bad is that, uh, obviously, uh, you know, corporate governance battles can really be, you know, counterproductive, especially for a family-controlled entity here, which is very common in the, in the media space. Uh, so that's really something that, that's mm-hmm. really created an overhang 
um, especially for Viacom. And in terms of, of the good, I think that um, really here, I think the stability of, of management really, you know, is, is, is key. Uh, in the case of Viacom, you know, having uh, a new management team that has really articulated the vision and actually uh, trying to maintain some semblance of continuity. So uh, Bob Bickish hasn't really come in to uh, dramatically change the strategy. Essentially, he's trying to continue uh, because that's what investors, uh, you know, would kind of uh, expect some stability in strategy. I think that bodes well at le- at le- at for the outlook. Um, so I think overall the good is that continuity and stability is um, is very good for, for stock. And uh, uncertainty is, uh, is really not something that investors want to deal with, including uh, corporate governance uh, uncertainties. Yeah, no kidding. All right, Tuno Moby, uh, uh, great point. Maybe an obvious one, but a great one nonetheless. Tuno Moby, media and entertainment analyst with Cifra Research. Let's get now to Ed Baxter for a look at what's coming up next on Bloomberg Radio. Ed, how's, how's San Francisco Maybe it missing should be me? Tuna Ed Baxter. Isn't that a great <laughs> name? I love Tuna's name. Uh, well, uh, let me think. May I? Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, thanks, Kara. Um, to answer your question, Corey, San Francisco misses you a lot, especially the boss. Uh, Healthcare insurance. Absolutely. What's next? Orrin Hatch explains the process. Uh, what does Bank of America CEO think about bringing back Depression-era law separating consumer and investment bank? We do all of that and more. Bloomberg Best coming up. Maybe Ed Tuna Baxter. Perfect. It's got a ring to it. This is Bloomberg.